0: Matthew 4 verse number 8, again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence Satan for it is written thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I want to talk to you a few minutes here today on this thought, the divine priority. Amen. The divine priority. And everybody shout amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, in, In looking at the various accounts of this particular event, in the life of Jesus, I notice that there are two things that Luke records that Matthew does not record. And, uh, of course, this, I'm sure, is to, to many of us that have been in church a long time. Uh, it's probably something that we have heard before, but it bears repeating and reminding us. But in Luke chapter 4, and verse 5, it said, And the devil... Taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Those words in a moment of time are added by Luke that Matthew does not include. Which indicates to us that it did not take the devil very long to show Jesus what he had to offer. And I'm just going to tell you this morning that it's still the same today. That it does not take the enemy long to show you what he has to offer you as far as sin and pleasure is concerned. Just a, just one party is like the next party. One bottle of liquor is like the last bottle of liquor. Amen. Doesn't matter what element of sin. It doesn't matter what element of pleasure. All of it is just repetitive. It's the same old experience time after time after time. But you can live a lifetime for Jesus Christ. And you will never experience everything there is to experience in God. You can live a lifetime and you still won't know everything there is to know about God. You still will not experience every blessing that he has to offer to your life. I don't know how you feel, but after 54 years of preaching and being in Pentecost, all of my life for 70 years, I still get excited about the greatness of my God. I still look forward to the presence of God. I still anticipate what God is going to show me that I've not seen before. I give him a praise offering right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm in this because I love what I feel and what I see and what I'm learning about God every single day. The other thing that that Luke uh, includes here is in, in the 13th verse of chapter 4, it said, when the devil had ended all temptations, he departed from him for a season. And that's why... In verse number 8, where we read today, the first word is so important. He makes one word statement, and that is, again. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain. So the indication there is that the devil never stops. Doesn't matter how many times he tempts you and you overcome that temptation, he will be back. Every time he stirs up trouble in your life and you, and you preserve through it and you make it, he's going to come back again and try over and over and over again. So I want him to know if you, whatever you got, you better throw it because it better be better than what you're throwing right now. Hallelujah. My mind's made up. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to give everything to him. Come on, devil, give it all you got because I'm standing for Jesus Christ. I'm going to be what he wants me to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, in our text, what Jesus does is set forth the two most important aspects of our relationship with God that of worship and service. And he does it by appealing uh, to the word of God. And I do believe that the reference that Jesus uh, is using is from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, where he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all of thy might." And so what you're going to notice here, and it's very important to note, that in Jesus' words, as well as in the words of Moses from Deuteronomy, the spiritual aspect of worship is placed before the physical aspect of service. He states that all thine heart and all thy soul, which is the spiritual side of us, and all of our might, which is the physical side, and so what Jesus is doing is establishing uh, the divine uh, priority. He is saying it's worship first and then it is service second. Can I preach to you what I feel here today? Y'all don't know me. I don't know you, but I feel like there's the same spirit in this house. I like what I feel in this place. And, and so I Gonna preach all day, but I'm I'm not gonna get in a hurry either, because I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to help us in this service. Amen. Amen. And and so you note the divine priority, and that is established because He said, "Thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve." So when you study the Word of God, you're gonna notice from time to time that there are words or phrases that are placed in sequence. And there's a reason why that they are in sequential order. It is because either they are establishing an order of importance or a process that we must go through to get to wherever it is God wants us to be. Let me give you an example of that. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Notice the next statement of the following verse. He said this, and of his government and peace there shall be no end. So there's two things that are being indicated there. Number one, government in him is always first. And then peace follows the government. Hallelujah. It starts with government and it ends in peace. But he went on to say, of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So what he's telling us is that there should always be an ever-ascending progress of our walk with God and our relationship with God. That the more you submit to Jesus Christ, The more you submit to his government, the greater measure of peace that you're going to experience. It should always be escalating. It should always be moving higher. We never graduate. We never reach a pinnacle. But we just keep climbing in the spirit and in our walk with God. Amen. There's another... Another verse of scripture that is along the same line in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 when he said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, government, it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. We have a religious world today that wants to negate the first two and only emphasize the third one. But I have news for you, friend. You don't get joy with God until you get peace with God. And you don't get peace with God until you get the righteousness of God. But more righteousness, more peace. More peace, more joy. More righteousness, more peace more peace, more joy. That's what we ought to be reaching for and desiring to attain in our life. Somebody shout amen. Can you give me a little bit more up here, if you will, please. Somebody say amen. Now, another verse that we notice is in in the writing to, to the church at Corinth. He said, now... The Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, so often we will use that scripture to promote worship in a service and the presence of God being in the house, and there's no problem with that application. However, what Paul is really saying there is that the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty trying to tell us that we cannot have liberty without the presence of the Lord there. We cannot have liberty without lordship. You and I are free, but we are free under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We are free. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation. To them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He's trying to communicate something to us. And that is your condemnation, the fact that there is no condemnation is based on the fact that you're not just walking in the spirit but you're not walking out of the flesh. You're not, oh hallelujah! You're not, you're not following the desire of the flesh. Your appetite for carnal things is not present, but the appetite for spiritual things. Amen. Now I'll preach what I feel like the Holy Ghost wants me to preach. But it is gonna almost look like contradictory to what your pastor preached this morning, but it's not contradictory. It is it is complementing what he preached, it is reaffirming what he preached. Amen. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, when you lived in sin, you lived under the law of sin and death. You did not live under the law of liberty. You lived under the law of bondage. You were bound by sin. You were bound by sin and death. But when you got the Holy Ghost and you were baptized in Jesus' name, there was a conquering there was a conquering of the old government. There was a conquering of the old rulership. <laughs> now he said, the law of the spirit of life, the government of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. I've been delivered. I've been set free. Woo, Hallelujah. I used to live under the law of sin and death. But now I'm living under the law of righteousness in Christ Jesus. So when you come to God and you get the Holy Ghost and you've been delivered from sin, it's not the absence of government in your life, but it's the replacing of government. You used to have a government that governed your life and ruled you where sin was concerned. But now you've been set free, and the new government allows you to become what you were created to become. Amen. Some folks here preaching and teaching like they've heard this morning, which was classic. And I mean that. I'm not just saying it to be saying it. But that was absolutely an incredible word that we heard teaching on the subject of hair. Amen. It's important. We have to have that. It is understandable, though, that whenever we when we hear teaching like that, that's the government of life. I said that's the government of life. That's the government of righteousness in Christ Jesus that we submit to that government and we realize there's a freedom here. Oh, glory to God. Now the Lord is that spirit. When I have the spirit of lordship in my life, I've got a liberty like I never had when I was in sin. I've got a liberty to grow, to progress. Amen. My, my dad who preached for over 50 years before he passed on, he had a favorite saying, and that was this. He said, let me tell you about liberty and Jesus. He said, liberty is like the wheel on the automobile. It's free to roll, but not free to leave the car. Amen. A simple little statement, but such a true statement that we have liberty, but we don't have liberty to go out here and do what we want to do. We have the liberty now to obey the word of God. When the devil controlled your life, you couldn't obey scripture. When the powers of hell controlled your world, you could not follow the word of God. But now you can follow the spirit. You can follow the word and you can grow and you can become better than you've ever known you could be in the world, and in the life. Amen. And so I think that those statements that we just made needs to help us understand that when there's a sequence of words, there's an establishing of importance. So what Jesus was doing when he said, thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve, he was establishing priority. He was saying this is the divine priority. It is worship first And service second. Or if I could even go a step further and say that our service ought to flow out of our worship. That if we're truly a worshiper, we won't have a problem with service. If we're a true worshiper, we won't have an issue with what we were taught here this morning. But it starts with the fact that you're a worshiper. It starts with the fact that you give him the glory. Amen. Now, after 54 years of ministry, I have noticed that we so often place the priority of service over that of worship. Amen. And I guess there's a reason for that because it's a lot easier to teach people the mechanics of activity than to bring them into a vital relationship with God. It's a lot easier just to give folks a list of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. <laughs> well, just do this and you'll be okay. Don't do this and you'll be okay. If you, if you don't do the do's and you do the don'ts, you're not going to be in such good shape. Can I get a witness? Amen. And so often we feel, at times we feel more comfortable just being obedient. (laughs) But there's a problem here whenever we prioritize service over that of worship. And the reason is because we have to stop and understand that worship places the focus on God. While service places the focus on us. Why do you think he said in Psalms chapter 150, praise ye the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him according to his mighty acts. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. When I walked in here this morning, I didn't come to praise him because I felt qualified to do it. I didn't walk in here to praise him because I've been perfect all week long. I come here to praise him because he's been perfect. He's been good. He's been right. Some of y'all need to hear me here today. You got to learn how to praise him because he's worthy to be praised. We praise him according to his. We don't praise him according to our. We don't praise him according to what we feel like we have been. Amen. If we could ever get a hold of this as apostolics, it would turn our life and our world and our churches upside down. Amen, because we are. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to help. If you'll just stay with me, you'll, you'll understand where I'm going. But, but I, I want you to understand that, yes, your pastor made it clear that, that we are our works are the result of our salvation. Just like our service needs to be the result of our worship. But too many times we come to church and we say, and we start to raise our hand and the devil whispers in our ear, you don't have a right to raise your hands. You don't have a right to praise him. You know what you said yesterday. You know what you did last week. You know the, the failures of your life and your hands are going up. You want to praise him, but you're reminded of all the things that the accuser of the brethren is bringing back to your attention. You know what you got to do is lift those hands and say, devil, I'm going to praise him because he's good I'm going to praise him because he's holy. I'm going to praise him because he's perfect come on somebody going to praise him right now because you know he's been good you know he's been right. Woo! Hallelujah! Come on! If God's been good, you ought to praise him because he's good. Woo! Hallelujah! He's the wonderful he's the counselor he's the mighty god he's the everlasting father he's the prince of peace he's the alpha and omega he's the beginning and the end he's the first and last he's the creator he's the author and finisher of our faith there's nobody like Jesus hallelujah hallelujah we need to recognize that there's a priority that God has established you gotta worship him first Amen. Now there's some folks that have dedicated themselves to be worshipers and there's others that dedicate themselves to be servers. That's inconsistent with what Jesus said. Jesus said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and. He didn't say or. He didn't give us a choice. He said everybody's responsibility is to be a worshiper first and then be a worker, be a server. Hmm. Jesus shows up to Mary and Martha's house and when he gets to their house Martha's busy cumbered about she's trying her best to put on a, a full four course meal she's working overtime she's laboring and she's moving from this part of the house to that part of the house and every time she walks through the room where Jesus is, Mary's sitting there at the feet of Jesus. She goes back through and, and she sees her again. And she's mumbling under her breath. Hey, Amen. What's the matter with my sister? How come she's not helping me? Why is she sitting in there doing nothing? I, I can't stand this much longer. She got to a point that she got so frustrated she finally went to Jesus and said, Would you make my sister to serve with me? Tell her to get up and help me. i got so many things going on. Let me tell you what the problem with servers is. Can I I preach to you? Let me tell you what the problem with servers. with people that are focused and has made service their priority. Here's their problem. They measure everybody else in the church based on their level of service. Hallelujah. Come on, I, I know it's my first time and I know it sounds like I'm coming on like a bulldozer but I can't help it. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel the liberty in this house. Amen. If everybody just did what I did and if everybody worked as hard around this church as I work, if everybody clean as good as I clean if everybody if everybody lived the way I lived if they if they had the same measure standards that I've got servers have a problem they focus and they they, they measure everybody else based on what their idea of service really is but you know what I find interesting about that particular story I don't hear the worshiper saying anything about anybody else. The worshiper was just focused on Jesus. Hallelujah. She didn't find fault with Martha and her service. She didn't find fault with her commitment to what she was doing and how she was laboring. She didn't find any fault with that. All she did was just focus on Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about worshipers. Worshipers don't pay any attention to anybody else. Worshipers just go to church to have church. Worshipers go to church to magnify him. Worshipers just want to get in his presence. I can't hear you. The silence is deafening. Servers always find fault. Worshippers are not looking for the fault. They're too busy. Servers are measuring everybody else by their standard of service. I want to tell you something. When service becomes the primary focus of your life and it displaces your worship, it will jeopardize your faith. I said it will jeopardize your faith. Why? Because in service, we are looking at our ability. We're looking at our strengths. We're measuring our talents, what we can do in serving God. And so as we live for God and we are focused primarily on our service to God, when we fail, our faith is affected because we're having more faith in ourselves than we are in the God that we're serving. So we get troubled. We begin to think, what am I going to do? I can't make it. I can't serve God. I can't do what I need to do. I can't even keep my tongue in my mouth. Oh, Amen. I can't keep from gossiping. I can't keep from doing this. I can't keep from saying things I shouldn't say. I can't, and so what we do is we start struggling with our walk with God because we're so focused on our service, we're depending more on ourselves than the one that we serve. Amen. And I'm gonna tell you what happens to servers whenever they fail, they don't come back to church. Servers when they fail don't show up for worship. Service, when they fail, don't go back to the prayer room. But when a worshiper fails, oh, hallelujah. Here's your difference between the two. When the worshiper fails, they come running back to the house of God. They lift their hands. And they say, I can't make it, Jesus. I can't do this by myself. i got to have your help. i got to have your strength. I've got to have you to make the difference in my life. Amen. Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not, because I'm going to tell you, Simon, you're going to fail three times tonight. You're going to make a wreck of things. It's going to be a it's going to be a glorified train wreck before it's over with." But Simon, I prayed for you. Because I don't want you to let this be the defining moment of your relationship with me. Simon, don't let your faith fail. I want you to get back up again. Because I got work for you to do. I have got a calling upon your life. You may fail tonight, but get back up. Mm, help us Jesus I prayed for you that your faith fail not so when we're a server the measure of our success becomes the measure of our worth or the measure of our faith can I say it again amen amen when we are focused on service, when that's the primary and the priority of our life, our measure of our success becomes the measure of our worth. What we feel like we are beneficial to the kingdom of God how much we're beneficial how much can we be to the church are we just a drag on the church are we a a liability or are we an asset we have all these thoughts going through our mind based solely on the fact that you're looking at self more than you're looking at him and I'm going to tell you now it will jeopardize your faith I have bible proof of that John chapter 11, the the call for Jesus to come. Lazarus is sick. He need to come. He doesn't go as quick as they want him to go. Lazarus dies. Jesus finally shows up. Martha is the first one to run out to where he is, the server. Server goes out to where he's at. She shakes her little bony finger in his face. She's nose to nose and she's toes to toes and right in his face. And she says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, Martha, your brother will rise again. She said, oh, I know in the resurrection. She wanted to put his rising again to some future 24-hour period. But Jesus looked and said, no, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. If any man believe in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And if he believe in me, he is alive, he'll never die. And then Jesus looked at Martha and asked her a question. Believest thou this? Where's your faith at, Martha? You were busy taking care of business. You were busy out here working and laboring. You were busy in all those other areas. I want to know, do you believe? Your faith has been shaken because you've been so focused on service. You didn't sit at my feet long enough to find out who I really was and what I could really do. You didn't stay at my feet long enough to know that I'm the God of the resurrection. Not only am I the God of resurrection, but I am the resurrection. Martha had great questions. She goes back to the house where Mary is at. She tells Mary she says, the master is calling for you. Amen. want you notice what happens? Mary comes out of the house she runs to where Jesus is and the book said she fell at his feet hallelujah and she said the same words her sister said verbatim word for word if you had been here my brother would not have died but she said it in the posture of a worshiper <laughs> I said, she said, she said the same thing her sister did, but she said it, it wasn't a matter of whether she believed or not. It was the fact that as a worshiper, she was saying, I know, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I understand that. Amen what you say in the posture of worship is a lot different than what you say in the posture of a server and the implications of it are far reaching amen I'm going to tell you how far reaching they are because John 11 and 30 and this is what I love about the book. Little things that are said here and there that just opens up a whole new revelation. John 11 and 30, it says, Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was still. Where the server met him. He was still where the server came and accused him. He was still where the server approached him with an attitude and a spirit. He was there. Because service don't move him to the miracle. (laughs) Hallelujah. I said, service don't move him to the miracle. But he was still in the place where Martha met him. And when Mary said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. You know what Jesus said? Where did you lay him? Because it's worship that moves him. It's the worship. I said it's the worship that moves him. It's the worshiper that gets him where he's where he needs to be. Come on, where have you laid him? Where's the tomb at? Where did you bury it? Where did you Where's the place you gave up? Where's the place that you lost hope? Where's the place that you said it's over with? I want to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. There's some people in this house you give up hope because of failure. you've given up faith because you've been looking at service instead of the God that you serve. And you're struggling. You're struggling where you are this morning because that you've lost faith. You lost faith in yourself because that's where your faith was. You lost faith in your strength because that's where your faith was. Come on. I don't care how many times you come to church, it's not going to move God to change your situation. It's not going to move God to change your problem as long as you're sitting back having a pity party over all your failures, over all your mistakes and everything you've gone through and your hopelessness and your helplessness. I want to tell you what's going to change the picture when the worshiper shows up. When you decide, I'm going to go back to being a worshiper. I'm going to go back to giving God all of my praise. Hallelujah. Where have you laid him? And they said, right over here. Over here. Over here's the tomb. Right here. And when he got there, there was a great big stone over the door. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. Amen. Roll away the stone. You know what we find next happening? The server. No! No! No, don't roll that stone back. He's been dead for four days. And by now he stinks. Mm, hallelujah. I want to tell you the problem with servers. They want to keep the stink behind the stone hid. They want to keep everything back in the background. I don't want it. Come on, don't bring it up. Don't don't reveal it. Don't talk about it. I don't want to confess to it. I don't want to open the door. The stench is too bad. The smell is too bad. But I got news for you. The worshiper didn't feel that way. Roll away that stone. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't... Come on, you gotta come to a point that you don't care who knows what your problems are. All you wanna do is be saved. I just need a resurrection. If you read John chapter 11, there's another reason I believe that Martha didn't want that stone rolled back. If you read chapter number 11, you're gonna find out there was a great number of people that were there. There was a crowd that was there. And when she said, by now he stinks, listen church, she was far more concerned about how it would affect everybody else that was there. She was more concerned about the stench And the smell and how it would affect everybody. So she's saying, don't roll that stone back. I'm too concerned about what everybody else is going to think. I'm I'm too concerned about how it's going to affect everybody else. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to hurry and I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm just, I'm trying to help somebody here right now because let me just tell you, let me help you, let me help you understand that if you're not careful, you'll let the crowd cheat you out of your miracle. You'll let what everybody else thinks about your problem cheat you from your deliverance, cheat you from your resurrection. Amen. You let everybody else cheat you out of God giving you what he wants to give you here today. I can hear Mary saying, get the stone out of the way. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what anybody thinks. This crowd's not going to cheat me out of my miracle. I'm not, I want a resurrection. I want where we lost hope, where we gave up hope, where we lost our faith. I want it resurrected again. I want to get back to where it once was. I want to see things like I've never seen before. <laughs> 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 Woo, hallelujah hallelujah you gotta come let me, let me just add one more element to this that, that is possible with all the mourners there that she was enjoying all of the mourning more than she would the miracle she liked the attention that she was getting she liked come on now Amen. Oh, I, I know what you're going through I know you're struggling I know you've got problems and sometimes folks don't want I've heard people say I don't want God to heal me I'll lose my my disability benefits I'll lose this I'll lose that you got to come to a point where you decide I don't care what it is I don't care I don't care I don't care what I lose I don't care what I have to give up I've got to have my miracle. I'm not preaching to you today that service is not important. What I'm preaching is if you worship him first, you won't have a problem with service. You won't have a problem with commitment. You won't have a problem with standards and guidelines. When you're a worshiper, hallelujah. I just feel something in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel something in the Holy Ghost right now. There's some folks in this house that you've been needing a miracle for a long time. You've been needing God to turn a situation around for a long time. There are those here I feel in the Holy Ghost that you have been struggling with a failure in your life. And you have felt like, I don't know if I can get any further. I'm telling you what the biblical response to that has to be. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to go to that altar this morning. And when I get to that altar, I'm not going to talk about my lost hope. I'm not going to talk about my failure. I'm not going to talk about my helplessness. I'm not going to talk about the stink behind the stone. And when I get up there, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to start telling him how good he is. I'm going to tell him how great he is. I'm going to tell him what a mighty God he is. I'm going to tell him what a change what a change he's made come on that's the folks here today you ought to walk up here right now and say from this point on I'm going to become a worshiper I'm going to focus on worship I'm going to get the divine priority right I'm going to make sure that worship is first come on I wonder what would happen If all of a sudden that there was a shout of praise in this house. That there was a shout of worship in this house. If every voice lifted your voice aloud. That you cried aloud. Come on. Can heaven hear you right now? I said can heaven hear you? Come on. Jesus is saying, if you will just right now, right now, if you'll worship me, I'll move towards your miracle. I'll move towards your resurrection. I'll move towards your deliverance. Come on, there's something happening in the Holy Ghost right now. Something's happening in the Holy Ghost right now. The work of the Holy Ghost is being accomplished. Come on, some things are happening. Hallelujah. While the praise singers are singing, we're going to praise him. Come on, I don't want you to weep over your failure. I don't want you to weep over your mistakes. I don't want you this morning weeping over anything else that you're struggling with. But you start praising the mighty God. You praise the one that's able. You praise the one that makes the difference. You praise the one that can bring deliverance. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Woo. Mama. Come on, let's praise him. Praise him, church. Come on, praise him. Something's happening. The Holy Ghost is working. Hallelujah.